Okay, now this one, cool. Okay, so um, I believe we are live and global on uh, several media, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, hello everyone, thanks for uh, joining to the uh, second uh, live that we have with uh, Nishan on uh, on-site monetization and effect of uh, e-commerce on retail. So uh, Nishan, do you hear me well? Yeah, I do. Good morning. Uh, okay, uh, so uh, that's great. Now uh, let's start, uh, I think, with Nishan. Uh, I think it would be good to have some summary of the discussion that we had from previous week. Uh, then we discuss about the topics that we want to talk this week. Or yeah. like in this month in some sense. Yes. Anyway, we have this monthly meeting, third Monday of each month. And then we are going there, we are going, and we have a dive, a deep dive into several things we have future guests as well that we talk, the people who are well known in the field. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, Manas, our regular moderator, could not be here uh, this week because uh, he's out sick, but he should be back uh, the following um, third Monday. So uh, we're like we're running this as Monetization Monthly, which is um, a conversation that brings together a group of e-commerce and marketplace professionals uh, working on revenue optimization and growth. And uh, as, as kind of Dr. Mohammed mentioned, uh, we'll probably have uh, guest uh, speakers the next month. So please be sure to check that out as well. Um, for also last month, we covered uh, just overview of kind of the e-commerce landscape and and uh, did a lot to kind of establish what kind of uh, opportunities exist for revenue optimization and growth. Uh, and uh, in today's session, we hope to go in a little bit deeper into COVID, um, uh, how businesses have kind of had to adapt through it and how can they best position themselves coming out of this pandemic. We'll also touch uh, privacy and personalization uh, and what it means to be shifting away from a cookie-enabled uh, personalization to a cookie-less world. So lots of that and exciting conversations lined up. Um, let's let's start. So I think, uh, yeah, Dr. Mohammed, maybe let's start with, you know, like uh, COVID. What have you seen in terms of how businesses have had to adapt and kind of what that means from, from an AI as well as a revenue optimization growth perspective? Uh, great. Uh, thank and, uh, sorry, I was uh, looking at the different media to make sure that everything is working because we are handling the uh, 
backend as well. Uh, great. Uh, so I think uh, everything works fine. And uh, again, for everyone on the uh, like the live, please feel free to ask questions. We will be happy to answer. You can do it at YouTube uh, chat, or you can do it at Instagram. You can always email me at uh, my last name, hajiagai at gmail.com. Also, you can do it at LinkedIn. Uh, that's also these are the three good places that I mean uh, that you can do it or Facebook you can do that as well. Uh, great. Uh, now uh, let's start as you mentioned with the COVID. Uh, of course, uh, COVID uh, boosted everything. And uh, one thing that had a very big effect is that the infrastructure that has been created. So, like before COVID, if you want to talk with some person, if you are a company, you want to work remotely, or you want to talk with some, I don't know, researcher in the field, if you say, let's do it online, the people always had some doubt that whether the quality would be good. The expectation was that when you go there and you will, uh, I mean, start generally does not work and you need to do some, you need to be more uh, tech savvy and like more techy person such that you can make sure it works. We were using actually this one for collaboration back, I don't know, 2007 or something. At that time, there was no Zoom or even not the Hangout was very bad at that time. Uh, but there were some other like Skype we were using and with a screen share we are trying to do that. But during the COVID, everything has changed. So all Zoom, Hangout, everything created because now the people are at home and they can do the Zoom or they can do Hangout, Teams, etc. Uh, and now the people, uh, actually one other thing that is important maybe here that we talk about COVID, but I will say even nowadays, the past few months is that the gas prices were high. I, I actually, that's my things that again, that boosted using uh, online things because the people, some people, they want to go to the work and come back. They need to pay something like $10 or something like this just for the gas. That would be much cheaper for them to just be at house and just do it online or remotely. So I think that's somehow the gas prices also help. So this is not just COVID, but some other things. But anyhow, COVID created this uh, whole idea of the uh, infrastructure for remote works. And of course, when the people are at home and they are uh, working from home, their computer is there. And like they, are, they are in their personal room or personal property. Uh, even as I mentioned, so some people that even the people who go to the office sometime they are next to each other, but because some other people are offline, they will just do the meeting over Zoom or like one of these. Now, the fact is that the people are alone more. What's the meaning of that? It means that they have time now to go to their, probably they are not going to their computer from work, but still they have their own computer, they have own cell phone, means that these people will be on, will be online. And of course, when you are talking, maybe you have a meeting, after the meeting, you have a few minutes, then you may go and check your mobile. And you may at the same, at the beginning, you like in the middle, you may decide to just order something from Amazon. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly the point that now the people are more online. And not only that, they are more online in a, personal way not too many distractions or even like you know that like if you are a father in the house you know you're working so the kids may not come even to you so you have lots of free time that you can do it for your own work but at the same time you are in the personal space so you may also check some other things and you may go to your facebook you may or like social media or like uh, all this kind of the 
places that you can see online, any essential on online resources. That's the things that actually cause a lot of boost because the people now are spending more time. More time means that in some sense, any time that you are doing, this is some money that you will bring for these companies online. Mm -hmm. It can be retail, it can be uh, any other e-commerce type of things. And, that's this, and now the infrastructure is also very good. Maybe even better now, maybe some people became more uh, like they go to work or something like a little bit. Uh, the whole uh, traffic maybe went a little bit down. So in some sense, the quality went up with the same infrastructure that has been already created. So that's a great opportunity for these companies to essentially make a lot of money. And again, as I mentioned, this is, we think about COVID, but I will say actually COVID may be just a cause that uh, created a better infrastructure. Now anything happens that like say, I don't know, some war situation happens for some country or like the gas prices go up. Anything that the people think that, okay, they are safer or much easier for them to be at home. That's a place mm -hmm. that the, these people like a retailer and others will get the benefit out of it. Yeah. yeah. To, to, to just add to that, right? So like what we've seen with the pandemic is an acceleration of the move towards online and e-commerce, right? Uh, like for various reasons, like you mentioned earlier, like um, we had lockdown for quite some time. And so people weren't able to engage in a lot of other recreation activities. So like shopping became a recreation activity that you could can easily engage from home. Uh, and for uh, like stores that were not e-commerce, it became like, because people couldn't visit the physical stores, um, it became critical for them to be able to have a presence online. And on top of that, I'd say like, because uh, people couldn't go into the stores to kind of like, like to shop and buy stuff, um, like only channels started having much more of a presence too. And then people started interpreting that in lots of different ways, which is like, so I don't recall of a order and pickup kind of service. Uh, you know, we had that for kind of food delivery and stuff, but not for regular, uh, like regular, like, you know, other, other kinds of, uh, uh, items you were buying, but that's become a lot more prevalent now. You can do that at like Home Depot and hardware goods. You can do that at like paper craft goods, almost any kind of store you can think of, even Walmart, Walmart has a big pickup kind of service. So I think, you know, companies reacted to, uh, kind of the pandemic by increasing a lot more of these flexible options that no longer required you, the customer, to kind of go browse these aisles, right? And once people get used to this, the question is like, what is the stickiness of something of this sort? And what we're seeing coming out of it is like, there is kind of a like people are going into shops more, but it's not the same level as it used to be before. Like people are certainly getting used to kind of doing more online and and minimizing, like you said, with gas prices, minimizing the number of trips, minimizing needing to get out there, and certainly being a lot more uh uh yeah used to kind of shopping online. Yeah, and actually, just to add, I mean, something like a few days ago, I want to go to a Home Depot to buy something. And then I went there, essentially, it maybe took me around almost 35 minutes to go to that particular Home Depot that I had it. It turns out I went there, we searched for one hour, and we couldn't find that item there. That's how it says that the website is there. 
and then I need to came back. So two hours of my things have been just lost to just right. and don't at the same time I didn't even find that item. So uh, one just question, like, could you have bought it online? Could you have bought this item? Exactly. So and I mean I talked to this guy and said, why don't you buy online? And I said, <laughs> okay, I wanted to say maybe I will get it right now. I went and said, Oh, this is the online. I just and actually that's the thing. <clears throat> Even the people associate like at <laughs> Home Depot, they are recommending to buy online. It's not just the case that in some sense it may cost them their job because then maybe less people are needed on site. But they say, oh, why don't you get it online? And now they say, oh, that's actually much better to even Home Depot. Because, I mean, when we talk about Amazon, it's a company that is based on right. the, uh, online right. things. But Home Depot is the one that you think that this is like everything that the people should go and shop from Home right. Depot. They recommend that now they don't feel, I mean, like maybe at some point they were afraid of Amazon, but they are bringing more technology here. And that's exactly the thing that we try to, I mean, understand more that now, even Home Depot said, why, I'm completely fine if you go online and buy right. from me still. And I can give you good prices and the prices actually sometimes are cheaper than Amazon even right. <clears throat> because they have probably, they can minimize also the cost of shipping, et cetera, because they have now lots of stores. And it was much more efficient. I have just in a few clicks, I have put it. The only thing is that they mentioned that, oh, you will come in like five days, but even then when I got the email, said, oh, that comes two, three days sooner than the one that they right? promised. Yeah. So, yeah, so that seems like a perfect things. And now, again, that was pre-pandemic. Maybe uh, right. Home Depot didn't want to send the people there or they feel felt a lot of competition from Amazon. Not anymore, because now they can actually compete well with Amazon. And they can get uh, I mean, the prices better. The people buy from them and they can test some of this, something that at Amazon, they cannot do that. So that actually seems a very good thing for them. And that One actually... other really interesting thing here is like, we've seen a lot of kind of labor shortage uh, recently as well um, for various reasons, right? Like people felt like they didn't need to kind of continue or they didn't want to work the same way they did before. And this, this causes the exactly what you said, like because these stores are short staffed and almost like all stores currently seem to be short staffed, right? Like the same is true of the restaurant industry as well. Because they're short staffed, like the workers on the ground will ask you to go online because, you know, they're barely able to keep up with the demand that they have. But that demand, like that excess demand is really due to like a, a shortage in, in supply of labor, if you will, uh, at these places. So that's also like because of the shortage coupled with kind of the pandemic effects, that's also pushing people online a lot quicker than they did. And the other thing you mentioned, like Home Depot, like these stores that are able to compete on prices uh, with Amazon, now they are offering a lot of kind of additional kind of mechanisms, like you said, like I had the exact same thing. So like what I started doing with Home Depot is I would order online, but pick up in store. And that usually takes about a day or so, but I get to avoid this exact problem you said in terms of, you know, not being able to locate a thing. And then the further exacerbation of that problem is you can't even locate like a store, um, you know, somebody to help you in the store. So like you can exactly. at least avoid those things by ordering online and then going to pick it up and you can still evaluate return right there if you want to and stuff. So yeah, super, super interesting change. Yeah, actually I want to compare this one. I was reading this one about the self-checkout machines, essentially. That was some of the things that 
I was reading, and I think it was around 1950 or 1960 that they have started, maybe that, around that time, maybe a bit later or after, before. And then it started this self-checkout. And at the beginning, the people were very suspicious about that. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, that was, and they knew that, okay, when you do the self-checkout, all things can happen. I mean, some people may not pay it correctly or, I mean, something, I don't know, some maybe... Uh, uh, like maybe there's because of this no precision i mean intentionally or unintentionally mm-hmm. you may lose something but mm-hmm. i mean somehow in terms of revenue maybe but but the issue that then you need to pay these guys to i mean otherwise you need to have some kind of associate that they are doing the checkout for you and the cost of paying them and the insurance etc it would be much much higher it, i think until recently that even uh, costco apparently one of the companies that resisted that they brought it then they said that we don't want it anymore, but they are apparently bringing even the more people also bringing their checkout uh, or lots of Walmart things. So in some sense, this is the same thing. So this is the cost. Uh, there might be some pros and cons for that, but at the end, because of the cost, because this cost of, I mean, buying and selecting and choosing, right. showing, all of them, you just transfer it from your associate that you need to pay for them and for their benefits, etc. You just essentially put it on the Under customer, the customer yeah. as long as you can compete well with the other companies right you, you will do it and i think that's the whole uh, idea that i mean for example home depot has this uh, good thing that there are lots of stores nearby you will go and buy some of this and you get it and also there are something like for example if you are selling flour or trees or something like this that probably you cannot do it online mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe i think at least until now maybe they will also have some <laughs> of that that they can bring it to your house. And the price of also bringing to house, also price of shipping became better in a sense that, I mean, the people have now more fulfillment centers. There are companies who are expert in this area. The same way that you have Uber, they have lots of these companies, the uh, delivery companies that they are doing very efficiently this one. Right. So they can transfer that cost. I mean, of course there is a cost here, but the cost would be probably much lower than, I mean, the cost that you have a person that right. do the checkout for you this amount of time that takes some money. I mean, you need to right. pay some money there. And in that way that you can save their essentially. Right. So, so in some sense, we have this kind of uh, pandemic and now maybe higher gas prices and there might be several other events and all of them uh, bring essentially people online. And the issue is that when the people come online, probably some of them, they may go offline. But again, for me, I was used to for Home Depot to go there, but I'm not doing that that much more. From Amazon, always I ordering from Amazon. But I said, no, why should I go to Home Depot? They actually deliver something if it's not heavy freely to your house as well. Right. So that's essentially the best of all worlds. Why should I go there? Right. And that's the thing that means that there is great opportunities for the people. And again, it may go up and down, but probably not that much. Uh, I the mean, incremental value, right? If, if you don't immediately need it, um, waiting like a day versus two days, uh, I don't know. I think I think that trade-off people are starting to question too. Like I certainly question it. And like, I know these systems are getting a lot better. Like I know shipping and delivery times are getting much better. So, you know, I'm more inclined to trust companies in, in that exactly when they say five days, I'm willing to trust that it's going to be less than five days, but maybe the algorithm isn't caught up enough to give you the most accurate estimate in terms of delivery time as well. 
great. Yeah, and of course, I mean, this is some of the things, for example, at, when I was at Amazon, they were, I mean, working a lot on this one to get it. Uh, I think they had even somehow the same day and maybe the few hours, was it four hours yeah. or something like four this? They have yeah. a, a, a such kind of increase shipping and then this will happen. I mean, the people, this is exactly the whole idea is just the infrastructure. You will have it one way or the other. You will have such an infrastructure that, that that doing more efficiently. Right. Because uh, this is some kind of facility location problem. I mean, just if you want to do more about right. the uh, theory side, that I mean, you have some kind of facilities you want to bring it like close to the customers, such that, and you have enough resources that they can do the shipment. And this will happen. I mean, it may take a bit more time, but will happen. And I think there is that's the way that the people will go there and at the same time there are these <clears throat> companies like meta that they are doing i mean essentially like talking about the metaverse vr and mm. uh, uh, like virtual reality or other type of i think uh, combined reality or something like this and uh, i we had actually some of this uh, lives i had it with uh, professor minglin and professor dinesh manucha these are very nice problems there that i mean they try to also make sure that everything that you have at a, a house is as real as when you go out. For example, one thing that they were thinking, I mean, this is like important thing that if someone, if you are here, this was actually a very nice research problem that if someone comes from uh, like from your back, you don't see that person, you will mm -hmm. hear some noise. Can we actually create that noise as a virtual reality? Just think about it, it's very important because you want to bring the virtual reality such that the people, will i mean feel that when they are home they can get everything of the things that when they go out essentially and even in these small things how can we simulate that sound essentially to make it as real as possible so these are all things that are built on this uh, concept of being online now that you are online we are giving much more uh, services to you and mm -hmm. these services keep you again more online. So it's kind of boosting thing that happens. And of course, I mean, any companies who are working on this kind of retail business, I think that would be uh, like very successful. And as I mentioned, this may go a little bit uh, easier at some point, the people maybe at the winter time, at the like uh, mm -hmm. summer time, they may want to travel more. But again, in the winter time, again, another time that it's a bad weather, should I go to work or can just right. work from Oh, why should I go and drive in the rain or a snow right. or something like this? Why I can't do it? That or this is something that probably before you couldn't do it that much because okay. the people again because the quality was not high. But here the weather today is not good, so I just oh I'm working from offline, uh, from home, and this is actually one important thing. Like if you see, for example, for Zoom or others, now the prospect again goes up because they say oh these are long term solutions. Mm -hmm. That's not the case that they will go away because the pandemic is gone. Uh, great. So I think we talk about this and also the things that will happen in the future. Now, uh, uh, let's uh, go and uh, talk a little bit more in the online world. So anything you want to add? Yeah, to actually, there's, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on uh, on the same topic. So like one thing we've seen is um, like forecasting errors have escalated quite a bit because of the pandemic, because it's not something you can necessarily predict, right? So like one example of this we've seen is like Amazon has bought like a lot of warehouses, probably like over, you know, purchase warehouses than like true demand exists. And I know a similar story is true in terms of either having like massive inventory right now, 
or because like the supply chain problems have just exacerbated like now you know all, a lot of these shipments that weren't coming through were finally coming through so like wanted to ask from a from a like retail company's perspective like uh like i can imagine like over the past few years like before the pandemic it was a fairly gradual increase in terms of e-commerce sales for you know the portfolio of the company but as soon as the pandemic happened there was some anomalous event uh, and you could no longer rely on these historical data. So like, how should companies think about their forecasting? How much value and importance should they place into these models that they use for forecasting? Uh, uh, great. So uh, I think uh, this is a, a nice, nice question. And I will, of course, I mean, feel free to add more to that. Uh, uh, so uh, like in some sense, we are talking about time series here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one of the main things that the people were doing. So we can do a little bit more technical here. So in time series, you try to do the predictions in the future. So in some sense, we have actually, I mean, even some papers, we call it a, a profit setting. Profit means the person who can see the future. Mm -hmm. And you try to compare with that person. So like the reality in some sense. So, <clears throat> and uh, of course, this plays a very important role in lots of uh, these businesses. Uh, and uh, there are some different levels of uh, this type of time series predictions. Uh, there are some of them like a stock market. If you can see what will happen in the future, you can make a pure money there. Mm. And of course, that's hard things to do. Uh, other things, and uh, uh, like even consider that when you compute the probability of purchase, probability of click, how many you will sell when you put at this particular price? Uh, what would be the demand in a particular day from this region? All of them, these are the more time series that I will say that actually the stock market might be the hardest one. And these type of things might be uh, like, I will say a bit easier because there are more trends to that. And mm -hmm. maybe the factors are not uh, too many. Uh, that's like the things that uh, may be easier to tackle this. And there are, of course, there are lots of algorithms to do that. Uh, unfortunately, as far as we know, there are several papers, but still, then uh, if you think about the neural nets, this is one of the area that if you go and read their, uh, like the research areas or research papers there, it's still more classic way are outperforming the neural nets essentially mm -hmm. or deep nets in this area. And uh, this is one research thinks that, I mean, the people claim for this particular thing, they can get it, but I uh, bet that if you get some of these more classic ones, like the, for example, random forest or similar things, XGBoost and others, you can actually get a very good results out of them comparing to this uh, neural nets, mm -hmm. or at least the effect of that is uh, minimal. Uh, yeah, so uh, these are the type of uh, things that the people are doing. And again, these are like a classic AI ML things that they, the people are using to get it. And they generally give, I mean, reasonable things. Again, uh, a time series in general is a hard problem, even for, like, if you think about uh, a stock prediction is very hard. Similar things like even probability of purchase, probability of click is not that easy, but the people are working on it. And so hopefully we will have better algorithms in the future on those. So yeah, one one thing I'd I'd like to challenge on that is like I think this is actually a very hard problem. So uh, like the Amazon example I was I was talking about, um, 
this is kind of you know this is as of um, May May twenty third twenty twenty two. Amazon is reportedly seeking to vacate like at least ten million square feet of wayfair. Uh, sorry, of warehouse space, perhaps as much as thirty million. So basically, they over forecasted the need for warehouse uh, during the pandemic, and like even kind of like you know in in one of the earnings calls, like CEO Andy Jassy mentioned that they're no longer chasing physical or staffing capacity. And he pegged the cost of excess capacity to Amazon in Q1 of 2022 as $2 billion. Uh, so this is something I think, you know, even, even the best players out there are getting wrong, right, in terms of, and I, I mean, I don't know the internals of what happened there, but there, I think, I think one of the challenges there is either an over-reliance on the forecast and like not questioning kind of whether the core assumptions of what led into your um, into your forecasting is are still correct. And, and second, I think treating like looking at more of the outcomes than looking at it to see if behaviors themselves have changed. So kind of like one one thing I really like in terms of like forecasting models is these like additive uh, trees, right? So which allows you to uh, actually, interestingly, like profit is like one of the libraries that that like Facebook has put out there for time series forecasting. Um, so like these kinds of additive uh, uh, trees allow you to uh, isolate specific factors uh, that then like add up to make your kind of combined estimate. And I think one way is like very interesting ways businesses could engage in these kinds of forecasts is uh, looking at those coefficients themselves and trying to determine if those conditions are still valid or not. So for example, like, you know, coming out of the pandemic, one of the things companies could look at is like, if you add in a COVID factor and maybe you simulate some kind of distribution for what your COVID factor looks like, is that a reasonable expectation or not? I think, you know, if more of these business conversations end up as we seem to be over forecasting or our assumptions around these things are valid or not, that could lead to a lot better operations for businesses themselves. Yeah, actually, that, that I mean, you mentioned an interesting point. Just as the, I mean, this is what some irony is going there. So, like when I was at uh, Amazon, that's one of the things that they were always complaining about that they were uh, writing uh, like very long docs, spend mm-hmm. a lot of I mean time on reviewing those docs and improve even in terms of the number of words in it to minimize it. And I mentioned that actually that makes sense a lot when you want to build a fulfillment center. But for mm-hmm. a software, it might be better to just write the software and test it than do all this work. I mean, some documentation, of course, is needed and it's good, but not to the level of minimizing the number of words in a document. But that's actually interesting. If they have done correctly for fulfillment center, probably that should have not happened there, or at least the level. Because that's, I mean, the cost there, it would be much easier for people to write the docs and get every aspect of it than building actually and buying a land and make it essentially a fulfillment center. And still apparently that was like, uh, it was uh, too much in the forecast and they have uh, this problem. So uh, this is a hard problem, as I mentioned, if you go from a stock market, then you go probability of purchase, probability of click and the amount uh, amount of a space that you needed for the fulfillment center, et cetera. All of these, these are like, time series predictions. And again, I mean, we discussed, for example, there are actually this another thing. This was profit inequality that I have mentioned from 1979. That's a very nice 
things in, uh, I think, a stopping theory. And this profit library by uh, Facebook that you mentioned, and actually there might be some relation. I, I assume that some people actually knew about this profit inequality that they put the name there, but that has exactly the same meaning in both of these things. Great. Any more points that we want to no, add? This is it. Yeah, let's let's transition. Thank you. Uh, great. So I think we discussed that. We discussed some of this about the time series and also, I mean, the fundamentals of uh, uh, post-pandemic time. But in some sense, there is no post-pandemic anymore. It might be post uh, that, I mean, pandemic, but maybe now pre-high gas prices or something like this. <laughs> uh, so it, there are these events that are coming one after the other, and the diseases and others, they are working essentially. Viruses working all over the world mm -hmm. as well to help us to stay home and uh, use the e-commerce and uh, online shopping, etc. Uh, great. So I think uh, let's go to the next things. Now we have discussed that and said that this is this is something that it will be there. It is not mm -hmm. gone. There is no concept of post-pandemic. I mean, yes, they may, I mean, the, the things may come down, but in some sense, uh, it might be the case that Amazon sells those property, but I'm sure that someone else go and buy them and create another online thing on the same fulfillment right. center, essentially competing with Amazon. So in that sense, it's not completely gone. Uh, good. Now let's go to the online and discuss uh, some of the things uh, about uh, uh, like uh, uh, like uh, when we do uh, we try to design algorithms online, I think this was actually more in depth in the future uh, lives as well with the expert in the field. But uh, we want to go a little bit more in the e-commerce business, and uh, like one person is coming and try to uh, buy something from Amazon, Overstock, Wayfair, any other eBay. So at that time, I mean, that person in some sense, you try to, I mean, do some kind of personalization for that person. So it's a person and you try to understand that person. In some sense, yes, it's a human, but for you, it might be just a set of parameters. And from this set of parameters, you want to say, what is the best item that I can give it to this person? And what is the things that, um, uh, like, what should I show to this person? And that's the whole concept of essentially personalization, like how much you know this person, because that's very important. If you know that person very well, probably you can give the best things to him or her uh, that maximize the probability of click or probability of purchase. And we are using both of them are the same thing. So probability of click or probability of purchase, these are very important because if that goes high, it means that from each of them, you will get that event happens. In advertisement, generally, the people consider probability of click. In retail, the probability of purchase is very important as well. And that's actually maybe more important. And from that, I mean, when the purchase happens, a juice happens. This is like some cost that you are paying and some mm -hmm. extra things that any marketplace essentially gets out of that, that money for the company. So the question is uh, this one. So do you want to add anything about personalization? And then we can go to the concept of now cookie-less. That's mm -hmm. this, I think we discussed briefly this one previous time, the war between uh, Facebook and Apple essentially that try to uh, do more privacy and that essentially hurts Facebook users. But now in some sense it face not, uh, it hurts somehow Facebook, but not only Facebook, but Facebook users, because now they need to go and pay to get those same, those mm -hmm. type of apps uh, 
from Apple Store, so it's not free anymore. But yeah, we discussed that briefly. Please feel free to go there, but uh, this is the cookie-less world. So let's talk a little bit about personalization and cookie-less world. Yeah, actually, like one one quick thing before we get to this, uh, like personalization and privacy are often kind of seen in conflict of one another. Um, first thing I, I think we should address is, is there is there a moral question here, you know, in terms of, is like is there such a thing as too much personalization? Um, is there value in not having personalization? Is is there kind of morality that comes into this? Uh, uh, great. So uh, that's a question. So is uh, like the um, I think that's actually the, uh, something that comes uh, from the this uh, concept of cookieless world in some sense and the solutions. To mm -hmm. overcome that. Okay, so, uh, yes. So, in some sense, yes. I mean, if you know this person, I mean, then it means that you know a lot about this person. So, by definition, this is against any privacy measure. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, some of this information maybe I don't want that you know. But in some sense, uh, if you prevent me to know that, you may get also first, I mean, you may get less relevant things that you will come. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, also, I mean, you may need to pay more. Lots of apps, if they cannot show you ads, then you need to pay to buy them. So in some sense, these are some of information that you will sell uh, to others such that, I mean, you get some cheaper price uh, for the services that you are doing and probably I will say better quality things. So in some sense, these two, I will say, is not completely uh, against each other. Somehow, they, there might be some nice trade-off. And I think that's exactly the word that um, we were talking about, some of these uh, companies that they are doing this uh, after cookie-less world that we talk about that. So in, in some sense, there's a concept of personalization and privacy. Mm -hmm. I think the, the correct thing is that if as long as I have some control over the things that I can sell to you, then I am happy because I know that this is, I get some benefit out of it. I get more relevant ads. At the same time, and that might be useful for me. And at the same time, uh, also, uh, like uh, I get some of these services that it would be cheaper for me. If I don't sell it, this is like, you can think about uh, like uh, Netflix. This is a good example that uh, last uh, few days, I think like a few days ago, we heard that they have now this advertisement business with Microsoft and stuff. Right. And yes, I mean, before they, and they, if you go to CEO, he was, uh, I think, uh, yeah, he was, uh, or the higher administration, they were a string, uh, they were strictly against advertisement. Right. But now so okay, it becomes too expensive. The people cannot buy it. Right. Just the service. So let's show them some advertisement and make it cheaper for them. Right. And of course, this cannot happen if I don't. So it would be the best. So in some sense, it's some work that you need to do it, such that you get a cheaper thing. It's not nothing. There is no free lunch. And it's better that some information that you will release is such that these are more relevant to the thing that you are interested in, because some of them might be actually interested and you may get some ideas out of it. And uh, so in uh, some sense, the whole, there is uh, between personalization and uh, privacy, uh, they can actually come very friendly if we find the right 
uh, trade-off. And I think that's the whole idea of about the uh, cookie-less world that I wanted to uh, like uh, define the cookie-less world. So what yeah. is the cookie-less yeah. world? Uh, the cookie-less world is the one that uh, actually came uh, I think uh, that's, as, as we discussed, like uh, Apple, I think, was one of the pioneers and then Google Chrome. Uh, Google was supposed to do it this year, but they delayed it because of, I think, probably the effect that saw from Apple. And whenever you have some kind of, uh, when you go to website, etc., <clears throat> to uh, when you go to website of uh, any, like any website, uh, mm -hmm. those companies, generally, they are saving some of their variables. This is like the basic thing in any programming. Some of these variables will be uh, stored on your own computer. Why? That is very important because next time that you will go there, you really don't want to start from the event. So if you have been in some particular place, next time you will go, you will continue from that. You don't want to go from the essentially the um, first screen and find right. that place. Right. Uh, you can think about this way. That you just call a bank or any of these guys for the customer service, they will answer. So oh, you need to talk with my supervisor. Then another supervisor, another supervisor. All of a sudden, the phone essentially becomes disconnected. You will call them again. You don't want. I think that's the thing that currently, unfortunately, happens. You need to again start over and spend again one more hour talking with these guys. However, when you have these cookies, if there was some kind of concept of cookies there, the system could save your current situation in a set of variables. Next time that you will log in to there or you will call them, say, oh, you have been here. You wanted to talk with this particular right. supervisor. And then they will just connect you to there. there. So you didn't need to repeat the story for every customer service again and ask for the manager and manager and so on and so forth, waste a lot of time. So in some sense, cookie is the important thing. Mm -hmm. that you will save these things. And now, uh, this is a good part of it that they are doing. Now, there are these systems. These uh, cookies, the catch is that when you have a browser, it's generally on some these variables will be saved in somehow that browser. Now, any other program that is coming to that, uh, any other website, that can see those variables. And based on vari those variables, they can, oh, this guy went there at this time to these websites, because you can essentially save everything. Note that to get back to that situation, you need to almost store every information about you, where were you, what, what did you want to buy, so on and so forth. You need to save all of them essentially on the... Right. Uh, that, uh, that some kind of variables of the browser. Now, next browser, that then when you go there for the next website, that website actually can read from that browser the same because they can read their own information and they know some standard names about others they can read for others so from these guys they get a lot of information about you what are the websites that you have been there what did you want to essentially buy uh, or sell during this time and all information so that's the reason that when you go to cnn you will uh, I don't go to Amazon, you are searching for some particular thing, go to CNN, you will see all oh, the advertisement for exactly that thing. Because CNN goes and read the variables that Amazon website put it, then say based on that, then it gives this information, for example, to Google or some other things. Mm -hmm. I say based on this information, what should I show to these guys? And that's the thing that you will get. It. Now, the idea of the cookie-less world is that, I mean, these cookies that you will save, it will be much more limited or maybe actually remove the essentially. Mm -hmm. You may, uh, there are some other alternate way to uh, do this one. Maybe you will just do it on your own system. If you are a website, 
like after the login, then you will go there. This guy, you know this guy. So you can save all of this information instead of at front end, you can save it at back end, for example. That's one way you can do it, such that you will don't save there, such that these people, I mean, these browsers or the other program cannot go and use these free variables to make a pers personalization out of you. Because exactly these parameters that form the personalization from for you, and you may or may not like this one, and all this information will be leaked essentially all over the internet because they, everyone knows that you wanted to buy a Mercedes, for example. Uh, so it means that you maybe you have money, you got some money, so they want to sell everything else to you. That's a, that's an idea that I mean personalization is somehow will be violated. But the cookie-less world, the whole idea that like, for example, Chrome wanted to add it or uh, Apple has done that to the things that these variables will be not saved or if saved will be very private, only this particular app can use it. Uh, right. th that's the whole idea of the cookie-less world means that these cookies, these cookies means information that will save and everyone freely can access to that. They cannot access it anymore. And now the question is that in this case, something is very private now, because that's the main source of leaking information in some right. sense about you. That is not there, but of course, then we need to, uh, this is the way that, uh, I mean, we need to work with that, or I mean, maybe we, I assume here, uh, these advertisement companies, uh, they need to find some ways that we can talk more about it. Yeah, so uh, like one really important distinction here is, right? Like it's like companies uh, fundamentally, like the first party data that they have, doesn't change like much the implementation might change but they still have the same ability to collect first party data what changes is all these third party data that uh that these companies kind of just had access to right like like uh, like a bunch of like third party plugins could see what like your facebook data look like or you know like what your kind of google uh, experience look like and so those things are going away and 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 so I think it becomes a lot more important for these companies to um, like more carefully like look at, so what you would have gotten from this third party because they could read all of the customer's data. Now you need to more explicitly and, and, and consciously like account for how you're mapping the customer journey like internally. And I yeah, think this- wait, wait, I want to just interrupt you. So can you define yeah. this term that we are uh, hearing a lot? First party, second party, third party. I think that's the thing that- we Yeah, want to exactly. Have. So first party, that, thank you. That, that's a really good point. First party is data that you collect yourself, right? So like you're the, the website, you're the marketplace, you're the uh, retailer that somebody's coming to kind of come browse on. Uh, and what they do on your website, like they added this thing to cart, they looked at these particular items, that data you collecting is first party data. Now, if you pass that data on to somebody else, that becomes second party. The third party would be a more automated way, you know, where they don't even need to be involved with you for somebody else to collect the data. So, okay. so in some sense, I think we mentioned that if you consider a graph, this is a distance in the graph. If right. Like in some sense, customer is number zero. Yes. This. Then uh, the app that you are working with that is at level one. Then level two are the services that they are getting this information from 
like the, some apps that they are working directly with the customers. And the third party would be those guys, uh, essentially, that they are going one level more, essentially, and they are getting this data from those guys that already collected the data from those guys that they are working directly with the customer. Like so a third party data that has built a Facebook extension that can now access your shop's data because they're, they, they're relying on the Facebook platform. They don't even necessarily need to interact with you as the retailer would be like a third party. Exactly. Um, yeah, yes. no, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. So, yeah, I think, you know, these, and so far, I think the way we've seen personalization in a lot of different uh, like implementations is that these third parties claim to be able to do personalization on your behalf without you needing to do a lot of conscious work. I think that's evolving now to a point where, you know, you want to make sure it's like you start with the customer first, you start with like your first party data first, and then see how does it make sense to extend it? How best to kind of integrate the different other different sources of data? And so this is like from a customer perspective, uh, you mentioned this as well, right? A very nice trade-off between, you can still have quite a bit of personalization without most of the privacy concerns that people had in terms, because it was the abuse of information, right? Like uh which you as a customer maybe didn't intend to kind of provide um like you maybe you're okay with you know your first party getting that information but you want to control a third party getting that information which hasn't been very available so far so um i think i think this is going to open up doors for a lot more of server-side integration solutions um yeah, and 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 these solutions can can still have privacy at the core of kind of how they build yeah. solutions. Uh, so I think yeah, uh, that's a, I mean a good thing. So in some sense, I mean when we talk about this, I mean uh, generally we talk about first party. If you consider bipartite graph, actually we consider yeah. uh, like the customer was zero and then one would be this level. So it's some kind of bipartite graph. We generally talk more about the first party and the third party mm -hmm. uh, data essentially. So in, some, in the cookie-less world, in the private world, you are working with a company. So mm -hmm. you have access to all these first, uh, essentially, party data because this company, this person gives all this information freely to you. I mean, at right. least that, the good thing is that, I mean, here, the person knows which information it gives to you. So if right. you go to the bank, yes, this is bank. So it needs some social security, some, maybe they will ask if you want to apply for a credit card. What, uh, what is the source of money, you will give some private information. And you know that either you will give it or you should forget to have that <laughs> account. So that's, that's a deal that you need to decide that whether right. this privacy is so important for you that you want to give it this information or you don't want to give it. Right. And you don't have the account or the new credit card. So that's the thing that somehow willingly you will give it, and that's fine. And of course, these guys, they can use this information. Generally, if they want to sell this data to other companies, they need to get some kind of uh, permission from you. And they generally, they don't do it, I mean, sell it, uh, because that might be some consequences for them. But I don't think that the banks can do it easily, unless, uh, for example, some of these, that again, these are on these fine prints that probably no, nobody will read that. For example, if you don't pay your credit card on time, then they can report it to this, uh, uh, like uh, companies that they are collecting, like uh, a few companies like uh, that they are doing uh, this, computing the credit scores for you. So in that sense, you know that if you don't do it, they will sell it. 
or like sell it or report it in some sense. But generally you have much more information. And if some leak happens, maybe at the beginning it's hard, but later it will be easy. I mean, if some investigator, they are coming, they can find what was the source of leak and they can probably do the penalty for them. So that's the first party. The issue is more like third party that in some sense the cookie were some of the things that they were not much control because anyone could come and in right. some sense read behind. I mean, you will see the browser, they will see all these variables behind. They will right. read all this information. They can, these are all features of in some sense ML <laughs> model or something. They can get a lot of information from you. And this idea of like, a, Cookie-less is the one that there is no such things. At least you cannot, not anyone can go and access that. However, uh, uh, so now if you just think about the first party, I think the solution that currently the industry is working on it, I think we heard this from Threaddesk or others, they try to create a data, a database that any person can come and willingly give this information to them. Mm -hmm you may have some kind of unique ID over all these places. I mean, even if there is no unique ID, they will find it because you have some Google ID, you have some, uh, for example, Amazon ID, et cetera. And they know from each other that, I mean, this is the Amazon ID. So they will match Google ID with Amazon ID and this, oh, they know that, or Facebook ID, all of them, they know that this is the same person. So they will do the advertisement. So in some sense, there is really no need to do that, but they can create one thing that everyone is using it. Yeah. <clears throat> but the good thing is that I think that comes after this cookie-less world is that still the people, I mean, they can, these people can share uh, this website or other, they can use these things. But you need to give permission. You know what are the information that it is shared between these guys. Mm -hmm. And again, the catch is that if uh, some of this information, maybe you don't care about them, that's fine. But if you care about them, then you decide. If I don't give the permission to this guy, then the website that brings for me maybe more relevant items. And also I may need to pay the same thing that uh, like, uh, for uh, Netflix that you need to pay higher to see it without ads. You want to see the ads, you need to register into this, uh, some kind of global database of advertisers mm -hmm. that like all information about you are there. But th that's the very big difference between this one and the cookie less thing is that you will hopefully can go. I think it is still under uh, development. I forgot the name, Nisha, do you remember the name of that? Uh, uh, I don't, but essentially it's kind of one consistent uh, like ID tracking mechanism across different channels that would be opted into this program. So um, a hash of the email, e e like e something with the email hash. Yeah, uh, I think that your ID would be some kind of the email. That's the main thing that they are doing. But 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 the, again, the, the thing is that you can log in into this website. This is like similar to, again, this uh, uh, credit card company. Unified ID. Unified ID, a, a, a unified ID, yes. So uh, yeah. this is it would be very similar uh, to this uh, credit score, uh, the companies that are creating credit score for you. You can go there and you see what are inside essentially. If your credit score is bad, what is the reason essentially? Mm -hmm. And nowadays are more freely available to different banks for the people. So in, in that sense, the same thing, you can go there and see what are, what are the information about you that they are sharing with each other. And possibly you can, I mean, if there's something is wrong, you can delete it or add to it or edit them. In, uh, and that's an important thing. I, I assume that, I mean, like in the future, I think it is still in the developing the idea of this kind of unified ID. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Was it unified idea, correct? Yes. Yeah. So the idea is that uh, probably still, I think that's the whole, uh, we are not completely past cookie-less world because Chrome essentially delayed this right. thing. Apple, Apple has done it, but uh, Google and Chrome, essentially they have uh, delayed uh, these things. Uh, but the catch is that I can assume that, uh, and this is still developing, that uh, like uh, I assume that you will go to some other, to website, they will add the same thing that the same way that some notice that are coming of oh, you are using cookies now everywhere you are going you are seeing this on you are right. using your cookies are you are allowed are you allowed to use it i don't know it's a pack right and the amount of lens companies go through to make it like default except all and like you know make it annoying for you to actually say no don't track me it's just like to me this is not the end state and like you know i'd like to move away from this as soon as possible yeah, and actually, lots of them that I go personally, I will say yes, because I don't know whether if you say no, they allow you to the website or not. Even. But, but anyhow, so something like this probably will come later. I say that you are doing that. Do you want us have access to your unified ID? Right. Such that we can get right. information from you. That would be the word that then you will go there. And again, the, the most interesting thing here, it's somehow the trade-off that you mentioned between privacy and uh, uh, personalization. That right. I know what are the information that you know about me. That's the main important thing. And I right. can have some control over that. Right. That currently does not exist. Anyone right. in the world can have some information about me. Like I wanted to buy a, a Mercedes. Uh, that maybe I'm not happy that I'm everyone because this can even go to darknet. It can go right. anywhere. Uh, so why the people should know this information about me? Right. And I think that's the whole idea, which is, I think is a good move, essentially, that the people have this kind of uh, trade-off on that. Yeah, now, I agree. Yeah, do you want I to mean, add I think, I think, you know, like customers, you know, like would be absolutely incentivized to kind of sign up for if something like this existed to say, you know, I want cer- certain controls over how my data is tracked. I'm still willing to give like a good amount of information that's relevant and useful, but I want like anonymization. I want transparency of how it's used. And, you know, once these kinds of things kind of collects, like if there is a platform, which Trade Desk is one of the companies trying to build this out, like if that exists, and the user is engaged in that conversation, then like there's a lot of power and lots of companies can align with that and leverage that same information. And like we end up in a better state than we did in the past, right? So I think, you know, like we're starting that out again, remains to be seen how seriously like Google will take moving to cookie less and, and the implications based on that. But I think now is like a very interesting time in terms of like where the industry could go there. Uh, yeah, uh, again, uh, to everyone who is uh, listening this live now or later, I mean, currently we are live, we are global, and uh, we are, uh, I mean, you can ask questions. LinkedIn actually is a good place to do that. Uh, YouTube Hangout is a good one. You can do it at Instagram. You can also, I mean, send me an email, my last name at gmail.com. One question that we got was this one. What is the prediction for uh, plant-based retail? Uh, I think like means... Uh, like the, uh, I, I assume uh, I don't know what is the exact meaning of plant-based, but I assume that I mean the, I mean some companies that they are making some uh, goods or something like this. But I think we answered some of them. But do you want to add anything about that, Nishan? Yeah, not sure. Kind of what plant plant-based. Uh, 
like I don't know if it's you know if it means um, like products built from plants. Uh, maybe it's around kind of Beyond Burgers and and, and that kind of industry. Yeah, uh, I think probably I mean like uh, I will say that I mean plant based in a sense that I mean you create. That's again my understanding from the question. Uh, that we try to answer is that uh, you try to, uh, I mean, uh, create something. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you're producing something, and like you are producing milk, you are producing shoes, you are producing, I don't know, doors, windows. Uh, what type of uh, predictions that those companies they should do it? And I think that's the important, uh, actually, question. That's one of the things that is needs actually uh, nice knowledge about it that we have done it before. This is in some sense. It would be maybe the easier version of uh, like Amazon or others like that. They need to do it just more than one plant, maybe several goods. So in some sense, sorry uh, to kind of sorry to interrupt there. I'm kind of reading the comment. Uh, it says like vegan plant-based products. So prediction for uh, plant-based. So I guess the question is like, do we expect plant-based retail to grow? Uh, and if so, you know, like what, like what would that look like? Is it uh, is it going to go above? Is it going to go below the current state? Um, uh, great. Uh, I think in some sense, still, I mean, these are the same type of time series. I think for this particular thing, and that's essentially the part that the science comes and the people who work in the area. Uh, I mm-hmm. think there's some general approach you can answer it, but these are the parts that I mean, the people, I mean, scientists and or data scientists or the people with the knowledge that they need to go there and then try to understand the features that you will use it in this uh, time series, essentially. And what is the thing? So in some sense, it's still the same general problem. The issue that which feature do you want to use it from your experiment? I mean, if you want to use it for this particular thing, because even the models that you are using is can be quite different. We have used it, for example, Overstock, Amazon, or others. And I mean, this is the thing that I mean we will be happy to help if you have particular things that particular problem because I think uh, as we mentioned a general approach here but for a particular industry you may need some extra features extra factors to consider it and this is like the experiment uh, the experience experiments and others that they come all together such that you will find these things we will be happy to talk I mean with you you can just send an email uh, to me to Nishan, my just my email is uh, my last name at gmail.com. And we have Manas that he's not here. Uh, can yeah, Manas at Setna. Setna dot, yeah, Manas at Setna dot com that you can also send it. M A N A S at Setna C E T N A. Yeah, sorry, Setna.ai, not dot com. Uh, yeah, setna.ai, you can send that, you can send it to me, and we will be very happy to talk about it. So that's the things that, I mean, and again, these are like exactly the expertise that you need to work with this problem such that you know which one is more important and you can uh, do that. Uh, great. So we talk about these things. So now we talk about cookie-less world, the concept of, I mean, like, uh, currently we talk about this unified ID, but it's not in a perfect thing. This is just forming. And it's not completely cookie-less world because Chrome is not cookie-less yet. Now, uh, the next the next one, I think maybe the last thing that we will talk on this thing is that this actually gives a good, uh, very good opportunity for uh, on-site advertisement. In some sense, now that you, you may be, I mean, you may not have access to third party or have a really, very limited to that, then the website, like for example, Amazon 
or I don't know, Facebook on its own things, Google. These companies, still these are big companies or Microsoft uh, or any company that they can use their, they can still use the first party to do advertisement. Mm-hmm. That is completely valid and nobody can uh, essentially uh, violate that. And when you, where you go to Amazon, you know that Amazon by default knows all the things that you bought so far. And I mean, if you even go to this uh, kind of uh, some shooting, unfortunate events like shooting or something happens, the people just in a few days, they get all this information. This guy bought this thing from this and that, even some of this that they, I think I bought it from eBay also they found out. So these are the information that you know that when you go there, they have this information. So they can use it for on-site advertisements. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. Uh, so that's it. So in some sense, the now the opportunity for unsigned advertisement becomes bigger and bigger. And that's the thing that we can go and talk a little bit more on that. We talk more about these uh, things as well in the, in the future. And also this uh, concept of cookie-less world and others, essentially in type of display advertisement, SSP, DSP. We have actually experts in this area that we will talk more in this stuff later. But yeah, uh, Nishan, do you want to go dive deep a little bit about on-site advertisement opportunities that we have because of cookie-less world? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, one thing like like the third-party based advertisements, um, they're pretty much always the worst converting placements on the website. Um, you know, this is, I know that to be true from my experience and it's, um, and then there's also questions that about like long-term, is this good for the brand? Uh, does this detract people away? Does this take your customers away from your platform? And, you know, these are like companies will have kind of various policies around it, but generally it's not a preferred solution. It's just kind of a wave company perceive for like quick cash or like cash, but at what cost becomes the big question, right? So uh, thankfully with like, um, like more internally sponsored, like first party sponsored programs, um, there's a lot less like it, it you, one, you're still able to retain the customer on your platform. And then if you provide them like, and you should be able to provide them with much more engaging um, content than you would by getting these third-party kind of uh, services there. Uh, and then uh, third, like these sponsored platforms, if, if done well, can also kind of help drive discovery on your platform. So they could be a replacement for recommendations or you know various kind of customer discovery tasks that you would need to build for anyways. So I, I, I think it's it's very promising in, in, in the sense that like, this may this cookie-less world may accelerate companies moving to, um, you know, to to more first-party uh, sponsored programs uh, and and kind of that providing a better customer experience. Uh, yeah, so that's I think that's the one that uh, um, we are uh, actually uh, talking on that, and uh, so this uh, I think the whole thing is that we talk about on-site advertisement a very particular things of that is called a sponsor product that you have seen maybe first at uh, uh, Amazon when you go and it says mention a sponsor nowadays it's actually in other things like Home Depot also you see that I mean, what did we call it at Overstock uh, the name of uh, Overstock sponsor products yeah, so it, almost uh, all of them are a sponsored product. And so this is the idea that actually we are like, we are the, uh, expert in the area. And uh, there are several nice problems. Again, 
these are very deep science here as well. It's not a trivial things. And so the question is that, I mean, then in general, this is the idea that uh, you may think about that if I uh, see this particular background item or search item, generally uh, you will come either from the search that the person is doing a customer or a particular uh, page that that page is called like detailed page, for example, at Amazon. And there, there is one background item or main item, which is there. Now the question is that when you will see this main item, what other item I should suggest to the user? Or, I mean, you may, you can think about this background, it comes from the search. So you will find the search, say, what is the most relevant term to this guy? And then if I show this one, what other things that I should show to this guy? Uh, and that's the whole concept of a sponsor product. It's actually very, it's not a, it seems maybe I try to present it in a, uh, like a clean way, but it's a complicated problem. There are lots of things involved here. I mean, uh, lots of things that if some filtering, uh, some related versus unrelated font, the most related versus unrelated one. This concept of uh, similar items and complementary items, these are very important here because uh, sometimes when you go there, the question is that if this guy, uh, I will, should I show all similar items to this guy? But maybe, I mean, uh, that's not the one that optimizes these things. Uh, you may want to think about that maybe some similar I should show some complementary. Complementary here is something that like based on the history or based on other information, we know that these are like co-purchase. The people who buy this also buy this. This is complementary. They are not necessarily similar. Like you can think about a laptop and its charger. They are not similar in any way, but they have they are complementary to each other. Another thing that is concept of widget base that was used at uh, Amazon as well, that like maybe you want to, even if you want to show it, maybe you want to have some team essentially, that maybe, I mean, this which team should I select? Whether maybe if you do that, this guy sells this one, should I have a, a team of like winter, mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, clothes, or like, I don't know, uh, it, it, different things that you may or like for, for example brands too, right you can have an assortment of products for particular brands and then... uh, yeah in some sense uh, i mean this would be even more uh, limited you need to have some properties to come here and then inside again you have similarity and complementary so right. that's but the team also is there and of course you can have a combination of that if you go to amazon you will see lots of sponsor right. product at different places and each of them means uh, different things. So these are all, I mean, the science that goes there and these are deep science actually there. We will probably talk about some of them uh, in more details, the whole things. But again, this is like the area that uh, we will be happy. I mean, if there is some, you have some particular problem, you can just uh, email us and uh, uh, I mean, contact us and we will be happy for your particular thing. And generally it is the case uh, that if you consider a particular business, there are some factors that might be more important for you than others. And how does the whole thing works essentially? And then on top of that, uh, note that this is so far that we talk only was about the recommendations that when you see this item, which item I should show you, this is more like called ranking in mm -hmm. some sense or suggestion. Uh, but more than that, then there might be money is coming there. So now for some of this, this is some of them also you will call it, this is come from organic search. Organic means that they come without money involved. Then some non-organic means a sponsor. So, so far everything that we 
talk actually was correct for both organic and the sponsor. But in the sponsor, there is another thing, the money that these advertisers are paying, such that they show also your things there. So here, there is a trade-off between the money these guys that they are paying versus the relevance. And which one you should bring such that you will maximize your overall thing. And note that like if there's a company like Amazon Overstock or others, you don't want to just, uh, uh, I mean, for you also, the fact that purchase happens is important. You don't want to just be short-sighted and just see with how much I can collect from the uh, money. I mean, that I'm showing this. Generally, actually, lots of them are click-based. So at least you need to have the interest of the customer to click on it. If there is no click, nothing will happen. But even after click, the purchase also is important. So all of them now become more complicated that you need to consider all these factors such that you will show this one. So you have all this complementation of ranking, complications about ranking, about who you should show, what is there a team or not, complementary similarity on all these concepts. In addition, you have money involved as well. Mm -hmm. And then you need to, from all this combination, you need to compute some, I mean, objective function is a complicated objective function for you, what is the best for you as a marketplace that you can show and essentially sell this product from different companies uh, and, or from different partners or sellers. Uh, yeah, so that's the whole idea of essentially on-site advertisement. And it is becomes very important. Why? Because now you have personalization. The customers, mm -hmm. you know who is your customers, you know who are the sellers that they want to do that, and you try to do it, match them. That's in some sense, that's actually marketplace. So that's always the case that this is the interest of users, these are the interest of sellers or partners, and you try to match them. The same way that you can think about Uber or Lyft, uh, they try to match uh, drivers to the people who want rights. The right. same fact happens here now between advertise, uh, advertisers or sellers in some sense and users. Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, that, I think you covered that really well. And then, you know, there's a whole lot of like, like science behind that to just like ensuring marketplace properties and like how do you build a thriving marketplace and you know, on top of all the predictions and ML that goes into it. So, and then there's the real-time systems components where uh, you want these systems to react as quickly as possible because um, you're losing money otherwise, right? Or you're showing stale information to users. So like lots and lots of technical things we would like, we could go into here. Um, like, yeah, we will absolutely dive into these things in future sessions and um, uh, also planning to have guests to talk about these things as well. So definitely like look out for those. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. thanks actually for clearing, I mean, mentioning some other things. As Nisha mentioned, here you have this probability of purchase, probability of click, the time series things essentially happens here. And uh, uh, then, I mean, uh, uh, and uh, when you, uh, this is in some sense, it's a very complicated, uh, things that like uh, that actually involve lots of research uh, it is that's actually i will say a bad set for a good set of problems if you want to do research in the area that's a very nice set of problems that you can you can do it from the econ things you can uh, actually like for example the thing that, that they had it at uh, uh, amazon they had also some people i mean from like uh, people i mean like social behavior or uh, they think that they these are more like a, uh, like a, so yeah, I think social behavior type of things that they try to understand the behavior of customers. That's very important because now social sciences are involved there. The like right. game theory is involved in some sense because that's partly 
social science partly essentially math type of things. Of course, computer science, yeah, the other very important thing that you mentioned. Now the whole idea of algorithms are coming here. Mm -hmm. So uh, this algorithm, they should be super fast because if you click something, that may happen actually, I have even Google, if you say a display ad, sometimes it comes a bit late or like at YouTube, if you have don't have a good custom, uh, like a good uh, cell reception, sometimes you will see that it there is a stop. Why there is a stop? Not because of the actual, I mean, uh, things that you are seeing because of the ad the ad um, has not arrived especially the video that's costly essentially and that should come like in terms of traffic is costly and should come to your cell phone so in some sense then uh, also the, if there is a delay then there is a delay and the customer satisfaction is involved so mm -hmm. here you need to have a whole computer like uh, uh, algorithm field these are like some of these called uh, dynamic algorithms this is like actually more uh, things that you may in you may have addition deletions and you need to make sure everything you are doing processing on the correct way such that you will get answer very fast and then uh, also uh, cloud computing comes uh, mm -hmm. why because this is a huge number of things that happen for example at amazon google or other places we talk about uh, uh, offline advertisement and uh, this kind of SSP, like in the order of, it's a huge per minute, essentially, yeah, even yeah. per second, how many uh, requests are coming. You need such kind of a strong computers and a strong programs in a sense, like very efficient by strong, I mean, that they can work all over the place and use all this type of MapReduce, Spark and others such that they can compute these things and who is giving this uh, to show, some, to select some of these advertisements. And it is very important interesting that here uh, interestingly at some point especially for example when we talk about display ads mm -hmm. then cost of computing it may actually be more than the cost of money that you can collect from advertisement so in that sense actually you may not even to do that you need to uh, decide which one you need to go and even investigate whether you want to put a bid or you show it because otherwise just the cost that you are paying is much more than the money that you are Connect, uh, collecting and this concept of compute cost is a huge thing if you mm -hmm. work with the cloud because then again it's not your computers even your computers that actually I mean you don't this is some limited things but if you are doing cloud then for every access for everything you pay some money and this money the sum might be more than the money that you pay, pay essentially for the uh, this advertisement we will actually have some uh, expert in this area and we talk more about this i mean from the experience that i had it at amazon or other places google and we talk about it. these are very nice set of problems and very deep stuff that is going there so in some sense the whole algorithms you need to now bring it the knowledge to use it to have a very sophisticated at the same time efficient algorithm that can do all of this and you make money because if you are not doing this this is a company that you can become bankrupted you just pay the amount of uh, money that you will pay for the cloud computing it might be more than the money that you will collect from uh, advertisers and uh, that's a, a very important thing that we will talk uh, more on that so uh, anything uh, more that you want to uh, no, I think that pretty much covers today's set of topics. Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, and we had also answered, I mean, uh, some questions from the, uh, uh, like, uh, users, and hopefully, I mean, the people who are seeing maybe this one after this live, it is available everywhere, you can just look at it. Uh, 
and the previous ones essentially, and they have some other type of lives on some other topics that you can take a look at them. And if you have any question, please feel free to send an email to me, hajiqay uh, at gmail.com to Nishan. And Nishan, what was your... Uh, yeah, so first name, last name, nishansubedi at gmail.com. Or uh, you can send it to a uh, uh, person who was uh, helping us organize this one, uh, Manus. And unfortunately, he couldn't come here because of... Uh, uh, some COVID that is, I think, very, you should be very careful when COVID is uh, everywhere again. Uh, and uh, his email is uh, manas, M-A-N-A-S, at setna.ai. So you can ask questions. I mean, we will be happy to help. If you have any particular things that we can, can think that we can help, we will be very more than happy to talk more with you and uh, talk about this. And I think, uh, yeah, we are try to be almost one hour here, one hour and 20 minutes. We try to, I mean, always, I mean, this is the thing that I have it in live. We try to don't put it that much time constraint because it brings more stress. And I have felt this one when you put it and you try to finish it in one particular thing, then you may, I mean, at the end, you may rush it and it's not necessarily the best thing. So we may go a little bit more. And of course, feel free to, uh, watch or listen to any parts of it. And that will be also available on podcasts. So you can also Google podcasts or uh, uh, iTunes or others. You can also cast box. All of them will be able to find this and uh, listen to them. Okay, uh, thanks for that. We have this type of thing, continuation of this. Again, the third Monday of each month, uh, we will talk and then we being more experts in the field and we discuss about that. Um, thanks everyone. And uh, Nishan, if there is any- Yeah, no, thank you everyone for we'll start your morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, have a good time and any time that you will see that, maybe you will see it later in the night or something. <laughs> have a good time and uh, talk to you and see you later. Bye. See ya.